Part 4 Fourths, Forecasting TAI with Biological Anchors by IAA Kotra. Timelines, Estimates and Responses to Objections. Welcome to the Nonlinear Library, where we use text-to-speech software to convert the best writing from the rationalist and EA communities into audio. This is Part 4 of Forecasting TAI with Biological Anchors, published by IAA Kotra. Part 4 Timelines, Estimates and Responses to Objections. This report emerged from discussions with our technical advisors Dario Amade and Paul Cristiano. However, it should not be treated as representative of either of their views, the project eventually broadened considerably, and my conclusions are my own. This is a work in progress and does not represent Open Philanthropy's institutional view. We are making it public to make it easier to gather feedback, to help inform others thinking in the effective altruism community, and to allow for follow-on work outside of Open Phil. However, we may edit it substantially in the future as we gather feedback from a broader audience and investigate open questions. Accordingly we have not done an official publication or blog post, and would prefer for now that people not share it widely in a low bandwidth way, for example just posting key graphics on Facebook or Twitter. The report has been divided into four Google Docs to load faster. This is part four. The first part is here, the second part is here, and the third part is here. Additional materials, collected in this folder. Quantitative model the Python notebook biological anchor hypotheses for 2020 training computation requirements, a template spreadsheet when required computation may be affordable, and my best guess, conservative, and aggressive forecasts. Supplemental materials a document containing various appendices, a folder of figures for the report, the spreadsheet extrapolations of data and compute to train models, and the Python notebook compute price trends, which draws on data in this folder. In part 1, I provided an overview of the framework and estimates, provided definitions for key abstractions used in the model, and generated an estimate for the number of flop, sub-second of a transformative model. In part 2, I reviewed theoretical and empirical evidence about training data requirements for a transformative model, introduced the concept of horizon length, and estimated how training data requirements may scale with parameter count for a transformative ML problem. In part 3, I discussed in more detail the neural network hypotheses and other biological anchor hypotheses, and combined them into a 2020 training flop requirements distribution. In this part, I will explain my best guess, conservative, and aggressive forecasts for when the amount of computation required to train a transformative model may become affordable, incorporating forecasts for algorithmic progress, hardware prices, and spending on computation, more. Explain how I translate the outputs of this exercise into views on timelines, including a median estimate for TAI, probability of TAI in this century, and probability of TAI by 2036, more. Address several high-level questions and objections to the framework, more. Briefly describe several open questions for further investigation, more. Timelines for when required computation is available. Generating estimates for when the compute to train a transformative model may become affordable involves modeling three additional considerations besides the current compute requirements distribution how compute requirements are likely to fall over time due to algorithmic progress, how the amount of computation available for a given price is likely to increase over time due to falling compute prices, and how the amount of money an AI project is willing to spend on compute to train a potentially transformative model would increase over time. This spreadsheet demonstrates how I model these three quantities to generate an estimate for when the amount of computation required to train a transformative model may become affordable. In this section, I will explain how the quantitative model works at a high level and describe my forecasts for effective flop per dollar, willingness to spend on computation to train a transformative model, and algorithmic progress, more. 
Describe the probability distribution over when the computation required to train a transformative model will be available according to these best guess forecasts, more. Briefly discuss what I consider to be conservative and aggressive inputs to the model and the distributions generated by these inputs, more. As I explained in part 1, the focus of the vast majority of my research has been articulating the framework, generating the hypotheses and generating the 2020 compute requirements distribution. I have spent substantially less time thinking about these other considerations. These numbers are much more tentative and unstable than my hypothesis distributions, and I expect many readers to have substantially more information and better intuitions about them than I do. I strongly encourage interested readers to generate their own versions of these forecasts with this template spreadsheet. Best guess forecasts for hardware, spending, and algorithms. My spreadsheet generates forecasts starting from 2025 through the end of the century, 2100. The reason I begin at 2025 rather than in the current moment, mid-year 2020, is that I expect there will be a short-lived period of extremely rapid scale-up in spending on computation for ML training runs over the next few years, and that growth in spending over the subsequent few decades will likely be substantially slower. See this appendix for more detail. Beginning the forecast after I expect this spurt in spending to have ended helps to simplify the modeling. In 2025, I assume that it is possible to purchase approximately 4E17 flop per dollar, and that the most expensive training run in that year would cost $1 billion. This means that I am expecting the largest training by 2025 would perform $1E94E17 flop slash dollar equals approximately 4E26 total flop. For each year in the period from 2025 through 2100, the total flop that could be used to train a transformative model is computed by multiplying the flop per dollar in that year with the willingness to spend. The total flop value for a given future year Y must be compared to the year Y training computation requirements distribution the probability mass that lies to the left of the total flop available represents the probability that the amount of computation required to train a transformative model will be affordable by year Y computing the year Y training computation requirements distribution requires estimating algorithmic progress. In the rest of this section, I will cover my forecast for hardware prices, more. My forecast for willingness to spend on computation to train a transformative model, more. My forecast for incremental and breakthrough algorithmic progress, more. Flop per dollar forecast. See this appendix for details on historical flop per dollar and my forecast up to 2040. I draw on research conducted by former open philanthropy research analyst Kathleen Finlinson in this section. As of 2020, I believe a well-optimized ML training run can perform a bit over approximately 1E17 useful operations per dollar spent on GPUs or TPUs, assuming that they are able to achieve about one-third utilization of each GPU or TPU on average over the training run. In this section, I describe my tentative best-guess forecasts for how flop per dollar will increase from approximately 2025 to 2100. Initial flop per dollar and growth rate in 2025. I assume that in 2025, AI labs will be able to perform about approximately 4E17 useful flop per real dollar spent, which is about 4x my estimate for the number of useful flop per dollar available in 2020. I chose 4E17 flop per dollar because two of our technical advisors felt that a roughly approximately 4x improvement over the current value was plausible over the next five years given promising very recent improvements. I expect that more closely examining recent developments in GPUs and speaking to hardware industry experts could relatively easily refine this number. I also assume that effective flop per dollar is doubling roughly once every 2.5 years around 2025. This is slower than Moore's Law, which posits of approximately 1-2 to two year doubling time and described growth reasonably well until the mid-2000s, 
but faster than growth in effective flop per dollar from approximately 2008 to 2018, a doubling time of approximately 3 to 4 years. In estimating this rate, I was attempting to weigh the following considerations. Other things being equal, the recent slower trend is probably more informative than older data, and is fairly likely to reflect diminishing returns in the silicon chip manufacturing industry. However, the older trend of faster growth has held for a much longer period of time and through more than one change in hardware paradigms. I don't think it makes sense to extrapolate the relatively slower growth from 2008 to 2018 over a period of time several times longer than that. Additionally, a technical advisor informs me that the NVIDIA A100 GPU, released in 2020, is substantially more powerful than the V100 that it replaced, which could be more consistent with of approximately 2 to 2.5 year doubling time than of approximately 3.5 year doubling time. Maximum flop per dollar achievable by 2100. How much room is there for computing technology to improve over the course of 75 years, a period of time about as long as the entire history of computing from early vacuum tube computers in the 40s to 2020? My very uncertain best guess estimate is that we could achieve a maximum of approximately 1 E24 flop per dollar by the end of the century, a factor of about approximately 2 million improvement from 4 E17. This estimate feels particularly unstable and underinformed to me. Some of the considerations going into my estimate. It seems that a factor of approximately 140 improvement can be achieved by around approximately 2040 through a variety of relatively straightforward optimizations such as squeezing out the last bits of transistor efficiency improvement, reducing precision, and taking advantage of economies of scale, more detail in this appendix. If this is true, that means that a factor of about approximately 15,000 improvement would need to be achieved via more exotic computing technologies such as optical computing, three-dimensional computing, reversible computing, or quantum computing to achieve a factor of 2 million improvement overall. Intuitively, this seems plausible or perhaps somewhat conservative to me. From 1964 to 2018, a period of 54 years, effective flop per dollar improved by approximately 1100M adjusting for inflation, details in this appendix. The improvement over that period was about twice as large, on a log scale, as the improvement I am predicting will be possible in the approximately 75 years from 2025 to 2100. It feels likely to me that the total improvement from 2025 to 2100 should be substantially smaller than the improvement from 1964 to 2018 due to diminishing returns to technological innovation and the possibility of hard physical limits such as Landauer's limit, but I am very uncertain how much smaller, about half as much progress in log space, a little over 600M versus 1100M, seems intuitively plausible. I would need to more closely investigate proposed future computing substrates and or claimed physical limits to improving computing efficiency to make a better informed estimate of this factor. Open philanthropy is likely to do some of this investigation in the future. In the meantime, my best guess forecast for future flop per dollar looks like this. In reality, I would expect that rather than transitioning from approximately 2.5 year doubling time to some hard maximum value at approximately 1 E24, we would slowly transition to a slower growth mode, or several slower growth modes, over the course of the century, and that computing technology would likely still be improving at some non-trivial rate in the year 2100. This forecast feels most solid and plausible out to approximately 2040 or so, beyond which it feels substantially more murky and likely incorrect. Willingness to spend on computation forecast. See this appendix for more detail on this estimate. I have broken up my thinking about willingness to spend on computation to train a transformative model into short, medium, and long-run growth, links to more detailed discussion in the appendices. Short-run growth by 2025, 
my best guess is that AI companies could scale up to spending $1 billion in computation for a single large-scale training run, approximately 300M scale-up from the cost of computation for the final Alpha Star training run. This would require doubling spending on the most expensive training run about once every six months, which is consistent with what I understand of the recent pace of spending scale-up and the existing resources of AI companies such as Google. Medium run growth beyond $1 billion training runs, I expect that raising money and justifying further spending would become noticeably more difficult for even very well-resourced labs, meaning that growth would slow after 2025. I made the assumption that it would slow to a two-year doubling time, reaching $100 billion by 2040. Long-run growth anchoring to the costs of major technological megaprojects such as the Manhattan Project, which cost about approximately 1.7% of a year of GDP over five years, and the Apollo Project, which cost about approximately 3.6% of a year of GDP over its four peak years, I assume that the maximum level of spending on computation for a single training run that could be reached is approximately 1% of the GDP of the largest country. This results in the following forecast for willingness to spend on computation to train a transformative model, from 2025 to 2100. Algorithmic progress forecasts. Note I have done very little research into algorithmic progress trends. Of the four main components of my model, 2020 compute requirements, algorithmic progress, compute price trends, and spending on computation, I have spent the least time thinking about algorithmic progress. I consider two types of algorithmic progress relatively incremental and steady progress from iteratively improving architectures and learning algorithms, and the chance of breakthrough progress which brings the technical difficulty of training a transformative model down from astronomically large, impossible to broadly feasible. For incremental progress, the main source I used was Hernandez and Brown 2020, measuring the algorithmic efficiency of neural networks. The authors re-implemented open-source state of Dash the Art, SOTA, image net models between 2012 and 2019, six models in total. They trained each model up to the point that it achieved the same performance as AlexNet achieved in 2012, and recorded the total flop that required. They found that the SOTA model in 2019, efficient net B0, required approximately 44 times fewer training flop to achieve AlexNet performance than AlexNet did. The six data points fit a power law curve with the amount of computation required to match AlexNet having every approximately 16 months over the seven years in the dataset. They also show that linear programming displayed a similar trend over a longer period of time when hardware is held fixed, the time in seconds taken to solve a standard basket of mixed integer programs by SOTA commercial software packages halved every approximately 13 months over the 21 years from 1996 to 2017. Grace 2013, Algorithmic Progress in Six Domains, is the only other paper attempting to systematically quantify algorithmic progress that I am currently aware of, although I have not done a systematic literature review and may be missing others. I have chosen not to examine it in detail because a uh, it was written largely before the deep learning boom and mostly does not focus on ML tasks, and b, it is less straightforward to translate Grace's results into the format that I am most interested in, how has the amount of computation required to solve a fixed task decreased over time. Paul is familiar with the results, and he believes that algorithmic progress across the six domains studied in Grace 2013 is consistent with a similar but slightly slower rate of progress, ranging from 13 to 36 months to have the computation required to reach a fixed level of performance. Additionally, it seems plausible to me that both sets of results would overestimate the pace of algorithmic progress on a transformative task, because they are both focusing on relatively narrow problems with simple, well-defined benchmarks that large groups of researchers could directly optimize. Because no one has trained a transformative model yet, to the extent that the computation required to train one is falling over time, 
it would have to happen via proxies rather than researchers directly optimizing that metric, for example perhaps architectural innovations that improve training efficiency for image classifiers or language models would translate to a transformative model. Additionally, it may be that having the amount of computation required to train a transformative model would require making progress on multiple partially independent subproblems, for example vision and language and motor control. I have attempted to take the Hernandez and Brown 2020 having times, and Paul's summary of the Grace 2013 having times, as anchoring points and shade them upward to account for the considerations raised above. There is massive room for judgment in whether and how much to shade upward, I expect many readers will want to change my assumptions here, and some will believe it is more reasonable to shade downward. In my spreadsheet, I chose to break down the algorithmic progress forecast by hypothesis rather than use a single value describing how the 2020 compute requirements distribution shifts to the left in future years. This is because hypotheses which predict that the amount of computation required to train a transformative model is already very low, such as the lifetime anchor hypothesis, seems like they should also predict that further algorithmic progress would be difficult and there is not as much room to reduce compute requirements even further. As with compute prices and willingness to spend, I assume that algorithmic progress for each hypothesis could be described as a logistic curve, shown below. I assume that. Training flop requirements for the lifetime anchor hypothesis, red, are having once every 3.5 years and there is only room to improve by approximately 200m from the 2020 level, moving from a median of approximately 1e28 in 2020 to approximately 1e26 by 2100. Training flop requirements for the short horizon neural network hypothesis, orange, are having once every three years and there is room to improve by approximately 200m from the 2020 level, moving from a median of approximately 1e31 in 2020 to approximately 3e29 by 2100. Training flop requirements for the genome anchor hypothesis, yellow, are having once every three years and there is room to improve by approximately 300m from the 2020 level, moving from a median of approximately 3e33 in 2020 to approximately 3e30 by 2100. Training flop requirements for the medium horizon neural network hypothesis, green, are having once every two years and there is room to improve by approximately 300m from the 2020 level, moving from a median of approximately 3e34 in 2020 to approximately 3e31 by 2100. Training flop requirements for the long horizon neural network hypothesis, blue, are having once every two years and there is room to improve by approximately 400m from the 2020 level, moving from a median of approximately 1e38 in 2020 to approximately 1e34 by 2100. Training flop requirements for the evolution anchor hypothesis, purple, are having once every two years and there is room to improve by approximately 500m from the 2020 level, moving from a median of approximately 1e41 in 2020 to approximately 1e36 by 2100. For breakthrough progress, I simply decrease the probability that the amount of computation required to train a transformative model is greater than all biological anchor hypotheses over time. In 2025, I estimate this probability is 10%, and by 2100 I assume that it drops to approximately 3%. For simplicity, I do not shift the relative share of probabilities across different hypotheses over time. A more thorough model of breakthrough progress would likely shift probability mass from higher compute hypotheses to lower compute hypotheses to reflect that over time researchers may discover how to make those hypotheses work out, for example, that they may discover a qualitatively different learning algorithm which is as efficient as the one used by the human brain. Distribution generated by best guess assumptions. When I input the assumptions described in the last few sections into my model, 
The cumulative distribution over when compute required to train a transformative model may be affordable looks like this. The black curve depicts the probabilities output by the weighted combination of hypotheses. The colored curves correspond to what the probability would be if we conditioned on a particular hypothesis. As discussed in the previous sections, the probabilities in the latter half of the century are likely slightly too low. We can convert the cumulative distribution above into a distribution which depicts the probability for each year that the compute required to train a transformative model first becomes affordable in that year, with the contribution of each hypothesis to the total probability in the year shown. As a rough guess, I would say that this distribution is a fairly good representation of my TAI timelines between approximately 2030 and approximately 2050. Before that point, my best guess probabilities would be slightly lower than what is depicted because of the possibility of other bottlenecks such as data or human labor. After that point, my best guess probabilities would be slightly higher than the ones depicted, because a, the flop per dollar curve and algorithmic progress curve saturated a hard maximum value when in reality they would likely continue growing slowly, and b, as more time passes it is more likely that TAI may have arrived through other means besides training a unified transformative model. For example a collection of several pieces of software which collectively have a massive economic impact. In particular, it feels very unrealistic that this distribution depicts very little chance that TAI first arrives between approximately 2080 and 2100. Conservative and aggressive estimates. In addition to the mainline distribution discussed above, I also generated aggressive and conservative probability distributions for when the computation required to train a transformative model may be affordable. The aggressive set of assumptions are meant to capture the soonest estimate I could imagine arriving at simply by thinking more deeply about the information and high-level considerations I'm already aware of as I attempt to arrive at reflective equilibrium, as opposed to what I may come to believe if I learn surprising empirical information or try to take a qualitatively different high-level approach to the question. Similarly, the conservative assumptions are meant to reflect the longest timelines I could realistically imagine arriving at without learning surprising information or taking a different approach. In this section, I will briefly describe my aggressive and conservative assumptions, more discuss what probabilities would be reasonable to assign to TAI being developed by 2036, more discuss what a reasonable median estimate for TAI timelines would look like, more discuss what probabilities would be reasonable to assign to TAI being developed by the end of the century, more. For the most part, I generated the numerical inputs that generate my aggressive and conservative probability distributions by perturbing my best guess values, rather than reasoning about them afresh. I'll go over them very briefly in this section. Range of estimates for hypothesis probabilities. Under my best guess probabilities, the collective probability assigned to the low compute hypotheses, lifetime anchor, short horizon neural network, and genome anchor, was 35%. Under aggressive assumptions this is doubled to 70% and under conservative assumptions this is reduced to 15%. Conversely, the probability that no hypothesis will work is set to 10% on my best guess assumptions. My aggressive assumptions reduce this probability to 5% and my conservative assumptions increase it to 20%. The weights overall are given by this table. Aggressive. Best guess. Conservative. Lifetime anchor. 10%. 5%. 2%. Short Horizon NN. 40%. 20%. 8%. Genome Anchor. 20%. 10%. 5%. Medium Horizon NN. 10%. 30%. 15%. Long Horizon NN. 10%. 15%. 30%. Evolution Anchor. 5%. 10%. 20%. No Hypothesis. 
range of forecasts for algorithmic progress. To generate my aggressive assumptions for incremental progress, I have simply assumed that an extra order of magnitude of progress is possible relative to my best guess assumptions about maximum possible progress for each hypothesis, and that the doubling time of algorithmic efficiency for each of the hypotheses is one year shorter. Conversely, I assume that the doubling time of algorithmic efficiency is one year longer for each hypothesis and that the maximum possible progress is 1000m less to generate conservative assumptions. Below are the curves for the aggressive and conservative assumptions, respectively. For breakthrough progress, I decrease the probability of no hypothesis from approximately 5% to approximately 1% over the course of the century in the aggressive model, and from approximately 20% to approximately 5% for the conservative model range of forecasts for effective flop per dollar. To generate my aggressive assumptions about compute prices, I assume that an extra 200m of progress is possible relative to my best guess assumptions about maximum flop per dollar, for a maximum of approximately 1e26 flop, dollar, and that the doubling time of flop per dollar is one year shorter, approximately 1.5 years. Conversely, I assume that the doubling time of flop per dollar is one year longer, approximately 3.5 years, and that the maximum possible progress is 200m less, approximately 1e22 flop, dollar, to generate conservative assumptions. Below are the flop per dollar curves for the aggressive and conservative assumptions, respectively. Range of forecasts for willingness to spend. To generate my aggressive and conservative assumptions about spending, I assume the following. Short-term scale-up my best-guess assumption was that spending on computation for the largest training could get to $1 billion by 2025. I bumped this up by 1000m to $10 billion for the aggressive assumption, and down 0.500m to $300 million for the conservative assumption. Medium-term scale-up my best-guess assumption was that willingness to spend on computation to train a potentially transformative model would double once every two years in the medium term to reach $100 billion by approximately 2040. My aggressive assumption is that it would double every year and reach $100 billion by approximately 2030, and my conservative assumption is that it would double every three years to reach $100 billion by approximately 2055. Long-term spending my best guess assumptions were that the maximum willingness to spend on computation to train a transformative model would be approximately 1% of the GDP of the largest national economy, and that this figure would grow approximately 3% annually. My aggressive assumptions are that the maximum willingness to spend will be approximately 2% of GDP and GDP will grow approximately 5% per year in the long run. My conservative assumptions are that the maximum willingness to spend will be approximately half a percent of GDP and GDP will grow approximately 2% per year in the long run. Below are the willingness to spend curves for the aggressive and conservative assumptions, respectively. Translating into views on TAI timelines. As discussed in part 1, this model is not directly estimating the probability of transformative AI, but rather the probability that the amount of computation that would be required to train a transformative model using contemporary ML methods would be attainable for some AI project, assuming that AI research progresses along a business-as-usual trajectory. I would expect this model to overestimate the probability of TAI in the very short term, but underestimate it in the long term. In this section, I discuss what I consider to be a reasonable median estimate for when TAI may arrive, more. What I consider to be a reasonable range of probabilities for TAI by 2036, more. What I consider to be a reasonable range of probabilities for TAI by 2100, more. What is a reasonable range of medians for when TAI may be developed? My best guess assumptions result in a median year of approximately 2052, 32 years from the time of writing, 
for when the amount of computation required to train a transformative model may become affordable. My aggressive assumptions place this median at approximately 2036, and my conservative assumptions place it at approximately 2100. As I described in Part 1, 2052 feels far enough in the future that I feel more or less comfortable assuming that the probability that the computation required to train a transformative model is affordable by then is roughly similar to the probability that TAI is developed by then. To be maximally precise, we would need to adjust this probability downward by some amount to account for the possibility that other key resources such as datasets and environments are not available by the time the computation is available and adjust upward by some amount to account for the possibility that TAI is developed by 2052 through other means besides training a single transformative ML model. To avoid false precision and choose a round number, I am tentatively adopting approximately 2050 as my median forecast for TAI. On the other hand, 2035 feels like it is soon enough that the probability TAI is developed through a qualitatively different paradigm is substantially lower, meaning that the downward adjustment seems like it should carry more weight than the upward adjustment. Somewhat arbitrarily, I will shift this estimate upward a few years and say that my most aggressive plausible median is approximately 2040. Finally, 2087 feels far enough in the future that the possibility of other paths to transformative AI seem to clearly outweigh the possibility of other bottlenecks. I am inclined to shift the estimate forward in time significantly to approximately 2090 for my most conservative plausible median. What probabilities would be reasonable to assign to TAI by 2036? In a 2016 blog post, Open Philanthropy CEO Holden Karnofsky stated that he would personally estimate greater than 10% chance of TAI within 20 years, i.e. by 2036. At the time, he considered this to be moderately robust, meaning he would be moderately surprised if further research brought his central estimate below 10%. Vetting this claim more deeply was one of the motivations for doing this research. Having done this exercise, I would say that this forecast looks reasonable although the robustness may have been slightly overstated. My best guess inputs to the model suggest that there is an approximately 23% probability that the computation required to train a transformative model would be available by 2036, and I would adjust that downward to approximately 18% for my all-things-considered probability of TAI by 2036, this is in line with Holden's estimate. However, conservative assumptions which still seem defensible might assign a probability under 5%. I think a very broad range, from approximately 2% to approximately 45%, could potentially be defensible. According to my best guess assumptions, AI labs could spend up to approximately 3e29 flop training a model in 2036 if they believed it would be highly lucrative. This is about 1 million times more computation than it took to train alpha. Star. Performing approximately 3e29 flop would cost $3 trillion in 2020, but my best guess compute price forecasts imply that it would instead cost $30 billion by 2036. In other words, I assume that there will be approximately 100x improvement in compute prices from now to then, while spending will be approximately 30,000 times larger than spending on Alpha Star, multiplying to a approximately 3 million fold scale up in training computation. By 2036, my best guess algorithmic progress assumptions imply that the various hypotheses would each require approximately 30 to approximately 300 times less computation than they do in 2020. According to the lifetime anchor hypothesis, there is a approximately 75% probability that approximately 3e29 flop is enough to train a transformative model in 2020. According to the evolution anchor hypothesis the probability is virtually zero, with other hypotheses in between. 
Given my best guess weighting across hypotheses, there is a approximately 19% probability that the computation required to train a transformative model will be less than approximately 3e29 in 2036. Because 2036 is so near and there may be data bottlenecks and or engineering bottlenecks, I am inclined to shade this estimate downward to approximately 12% to 17%. However, according to my conservative assumptions, there is only approximately 5.3% probability that the amount of compute required to train a transformative model is affordable by 2036. This is because compared to my best guess assumptions, there is about 30 times less computation available, approximately 1e28, Each hypothesis makes somewhat less algorithmic progress, and I place less weight on hypotheses which assume the computation requirements are lower, with only approximately 15% of the weight going to the lifetime anchor, short horizon neural network, and genome anchor hypotheses collectively, compared to approximately 35% under my best guess assumptions. Adjusting downward for the probability that other resources are also in place could bring this down to a 2% to 4% probability of TAI by 2036. According to my aggressive assumptions, there is approximately 50% probability that the amount of compute required to train a transformative model is affordable by 2036. This is because compared to my best guess assumptions, there is about 10 times more computation available, approximately 3e30, each hypothesis makes somewhat more algorithmic progress, and I place more weight on hypotheses which assume the computation requirements are lower, with approximately 70% of the weight going to the lifetime anchor, short horizon neural network, and genome anchor hypotheses collectively. Adjusting downward for the probability that other resources are also in place could result in approximately 35% to 45% probability by 2036. What probabilities would be reasonable to assign to TAI by 2100? My best guess assumptions result in approximately 78% probability that the amount of computation required to train a transformative model is affordable by the end of this century. My aggressive assumptions result in a probability of approximately 96%, and my conservative assumptions result in a probability of approximately 50%. Based on the reasoning given here in Part 1, I am inclined to bump up at least the conservative number to some extent. I expect that flop per dollar and and algorithmic progress will continue at a slower pace rather than flattening out entirely by the end of the century. 80 years feels like plenty of time for TAI to be developed through a qualitatively new paradigm and or through gradual distributed automation. In particular, various technical advisors and open philanthropy staff place substantial credence on technologies such as whole brain emulation and atomically precise manufacturing being developed sometime this century which could accelerate progress toward transformative AI if developed. However, I don't think it would be appropriate to have as much confidence as the aggressive estimate would indicate, given meta-uncertainty about whether this model is reasonable or whether we are missing an important consideration and the possibility of very long-term delays due to extreme algorithmic bottlenecks, training environment bottlenecks, or business-as-usual progress being disrupted due to investment drying up or exogenous events such as global catastrophic risks or disruptions to governance. Ultimately, I could see myself arriving at a view that assigns anywhere from approximately 60% to approximately 90% probability that TAI is developed this century. This view is even more tentative and subject to revision than my view about median TAI timelines. My best guess right now is about 80%. Responses to common questions and objections. In this section, I'll address the following high-level questions and objections to this framework. Does this framework assume that transformative AI is hardware bottlenecked, more? What if training data or training environments will not be available by the time the requisite computation is available, or the computation to run training environments exceeds the computation to train the model, more? 
What if training a transformative model would take too much wall clock time even if the computation is available, more? Is there a risk of selection bias if we're extrapolating training data requirements from existing ML problems, because we are more likely to have solved tasks with ML when the scaling behavior is favorable, more? The extrapolation of willingness to spend assumes continuous growth, but what if there is another AI winter causing spending to stop rising or to drop, more? Wouldn't the biological anchors approach generate the same estimates for training flop requirements at all points in the past, even though algorithmic progress means that each year should be different, more? How could we test the predictions of the biological anchors framework and potentially falsify it, more? How applicable is this model if transformative AI arrives by a very different path, for example via distributed automation or through a new paradigm, more? Instead of using biological anchors, why not simply directly gauge how capable or impressive AI systems are and extrapolate this progress forward, more? Does this framework assume TAI is hardware bottlenecked? A salient position in discussions of AI forecasting is that AI progress is hardware bottlenecked, in the sense that the main, or only, factor limiting further progress in AI capabilities is progress in the availability of hardware, with progress in architectures and algorithms playing a very limited role. This position is controversial, and many experts hold the opposite position, that progress is bottlenecked by key algorithmic insights, and dramatically increasing hardware without acquiring those insights would have very limited value. I don't currently believe that AI progress is entirely bottlenecked by either hardware or algorithms in a strong sense, I expect that these resources essentially complement and substitute for one another in a relatively smooth way. I expect that either a massive windfall of computation or a massive windfall of research talent would accelerate AI capabilities and bring TAI closer. My framework reflects this view, it does not make a structural assumption that increases in the total amount of computation available, due to falling hardware prices and a weir rising spending, are the primary way that the probability of transformative AI increases over the years. I model both increasing availability of computation and algorithmic progress decreasing the amount of computation required to train a transformative model. I have chosen particular parameter values which imply that hardware prices are falling at roughly the same rate as algorithmic progress is improving, but these views are unstable and I would not be surprised if I revised my estimate of the rate of algorithmic progress upward. However, I am committed to a weaker claim, which is that it is likely that researchers could figure out how to combine 2020 architectures and algorithms with an amount of computation between human lifetime computation and evolution computation, as well as arbitrary amounts of training data, to train a transformative model within a few years of trying. My model wouldn't be a useful tool for thinking about TAI timelines if you assigned a small probability to this, because the larger-than-evolution-anchor hypothesis always estimates that the amount of computation required to train a transformative model is out of reach by construction. For example, if you assigned only a 10% probability that 2020 training computation requirements are at or below the evolution anchor level, your beliefs about TAI timelines would likely be dominated by your forecasts for when researchers figure out how to bring down 2020 training flop requirements down to evolutionary levels or lower. My model incorporates this only very coarsely, by allowing the user to decrease over time the probability that no biological anchor hypothesis is correct and someone with this view should likely take a different approach which emphasizes estimating the rate of major algorithmic breakthroughs in greater detail. With that said, I don't currently see a good argument in favor of a probability of 50% or more for the view that the amount of computation required to train a transformative model is outside this range, because sufficiently large neural nets are capable of expressing arbitrary programs with the right setting of the parameters. As long as you believe that a transformative task for example the virtual professional task, would be computable, there exists some neural network that can solve it.
This is almost certainly the case, and not generally disputed. Therefore, the two main questions are. How large would the neural network need to be? The analysis done in Joe Carl Smith's report about the human brain is very suggestive that there exists some neural network which runs on about 1e15 flop, sub-second that is capable of solving the virtual professional transformative task, see the next section for more detail. The architecture of the human brain may be more efficient than the architectures that researchers can currently design, but I don't think we have much reason to be confident that it is many orders of magnitude more efficient. Can 2020 optimization algorithms find the right setting of parameters? Simple variants of stochastic gradient descent SGD have so far been able to find parameter settings which are capable of expressing some important human and animal behaviors, for example object recognition, language processing, and elements of strategy and competition. As I argue below, the capabilities of models today don't seem highly inconsistent with the predictions that this framework would make about when we should be able to match the capabilities of various animals. This suggests that we should assign substantial probability to one of the neural network hypotheses being correct. When including the full range of effective horizon lengths which seem plausible, from approximately 1 subjective second to approximately 1 billion subjective seconds or approximately 32 subjective years, the neural network hypotheses collectively span most of the range from the lifetime anchor hypothesis to the evolution anchor hypothesis. Most of this range is outside, what would be affordable in 2020 even with a mega-project spending tens of billions of dollars on hardware, and I don't think it makes sense to be confident in specific intuitions about what would happen if training run sizes were suddenly scaled up to be this much larger anything we have observed so far when they contradict the high-level argument given above. My personal estimate is 90% that the evolution anchor hypothesis or some cheaper hypothesis correctly describes 2020 training flop requirements, and 80% that one of the hypotheses that predict lower computation than evolution anchor is correct. See the discussion of probabilities in part 3 for more detail. What if training data or environments will be a bottleneck? If it is much slower to generate enough relevant data or training environments than it is to scale up the computation available for training, the outputs of this model will be a less useful guide for thinking about TAI timelines. I have not investigated this question thoroughly, but I currently don't expect it to be a major issue for the framework. It is plausible that training data is a limiting factor in the near term, giving some reason to adjust the near-term forecasts output by this model downward, but I don't expect it to be a major obstacle for a long period of time, such that it would make sense to shift the median estimate to the right by several years or more to account for this. In this section I discuss the possibility that data collection or generation will be a bottleneck, more. The possibility that the computational expense of running training environments will be a bottleneck, more. Collecting or generating the right data and environments. Training a transformative model will likely require a rich and broad distribution of data and experience, and hypotheses which predict that total computation to train a transformative model will be very high, the long-horizon neural network hypothesis and the evolution anchor hypothesis, also predict that a very large amount of training data would be required. Particularly for these hypotheses, generating a sufficiently large, broad, and complex distribution of training data or RL environments may prove to be a bottleneck. One piece of suggestive evidence for this is that solving robotics tasks entirely in simulation tends to be much easier and cheaper than training them to transfer well to the real world, because the latter often requires randomizing across a large number of different simulations with slightly different physical parameters. See for example OpenAI's Rubik's Cube paper. However, it seems fairly plausible to me that the relevant data and environments could be gathered even for high compute and high data hypotheses. Existing passive data may go a long way. For generative modeling, 
trillions of words of text and petabytes of images and videos exist on the internet. For reinforcement learning, researchers may be able to figure out how to make relatively simple modifications or extensions of existing video games, board games, and procedurally generated RL environments to be more difficult or have a much longer effective horizon. Some of these environments may already support a very high ceiling of performance, for example, it is likely that neither humans nor AIs are anywhere near perfect StarCraft play, or a rich diversity of ways for the agents to modify their own environments to make things more difficult for other agents, for example, Minecraft. These passive data stores are likely to grow over time, even though more data will be required under the higher computation hypotheses, there will also be more time to accumulate it because it will take longer to get to the point of affording the requisite computation. Researchers may be able to construct simple reinforcement learning environments in which the central challenge is some abstract mathematical problem that is very easy to generate but very difficult to solve, for example. Factor this product of two large primes, or a simple language or code-based task that is relatively easy to generate and evaluate but difficult to execute, for example. Build a web application with the following properties. Researchers may be able to automate some parts of environment generation, for example by using a generative adversarial network setup in which a separate model is trained to generate an RL environment that the current population of agents is likely to perform poorly on. This would be especially useful if the problem of generating difficult RL environments is substantially less complex, requiring a much smaller model, than the problem of performing well in difficult RL environments. If the high computation hypotheses turn out to be correct, then by the time the computation for a transformative model is affordable, it is likely to be at a very high price point, for example several hundred billion dollars, after decades of scale-up, see above for my willingness to spend forecasts. Once an AI project is spending this much money on hardware, it also makes financial sense to pay a large amount of money for data generation, for example by paying for a lot of human labor to provide demonstrations of tasks or feedback to models. Conversely, if low computation hypotheses, for example the lifetime anchor hypothesis, turn out to be correct, it is more likely that total spending on computation will be lower, for example $1 billion, but the challenge of data collection will also be much lower. On balance, I expect that training data and environments are likely to be available roughly around the time that the requisite computation is affordable, but I do consider it plausible that data environments will cause several years of delay, particularly if high compute and high data hypotheses are true. I think this consideration is mostly a reason to believe that the right tail of the timeline's distribution is longer than the output of this model would imply and that the probability of AI this century may be somewhat lower than the model implies. I am not inclined to revise my median upward much on the basis of this consideration, partially because it is offsetting some of the ways the model is conservative, for example not taking into account different paths to TAA. I am not fully accounting for the possibility of breakthrough progress increasing the probability of low compute hypotheses over time having computation to run training environments. An implicit assumption made by all the biological anchor hypotheses is that the overwhelming majority of the computational cost of training will come from running the model that is being trained, rather than from running its training environment. This is clearly the case for a transformative model which only operates on text, code, images, audio, and video since in that case the environment, the strings of tokens or pixels being processed, requires a negligible amount of computation and memory compared to what is required for a large model. Additionally, as I mentioned above, it seems possible that some highly abstract mathematical environments which are very cheap to run could nonetheless be very rich and support extremely intelligent agents. I think this is likely to be sufficient for training a transformative model, although I am not confident. If reinforcement learning in a rich simulated world, 
for example complex physics or other creatures, is required to train a transformative model, it is less clear whether model computation will dominate the computation of the environment. Nonetheless, I still believe this is likely. My understanding is that the computation used to run video game playing agents is currently in the same ballpark as the computation used to run the game engine. Given these models are far from perfect play, there is likely still substantial room to improve on those same environments with a larger model. It doesn't seem likely that the computational cost of environments will need to grow faster than the computational cost of agents going forward. If several intelligent agents must interact with one another in the environment, it seems likely that all agents can be copies of the same model. In the main report, I assume that the computation required to train a transformative model under this path can be well approximated by FHKP, where F is the model's flop, subsecond, H is the model's horizon length and subjective seconds, P is the parameter count of the model, and MK describes scaling behavior. I do not add an additional term for the computational cost of running the environment. What about the wall clock time to execute a training process? If a training run takes too long to run in elapsed real-time or wall clock time, as opposed to subjective time, it will be impractical to execute even if the hardware is affordable to purchase and the right training environments are available and affordable to run. For the output of this model to be a useful guide to TAI timelines, training a transformative model must not be bottlenecked for a long time by the need to bring wall clock training time down to a reasonable level. I have not investigated this question deeply, but my current belief is that this likely won't turn out to be a major obstacle. Most large-scale training runs of the last several years already involved processing large amounts of data in parallel to limit the wall clock time taken to train models. The number of data points processed in parallel per gradient update is known as the batch size, and the number of successive gradient updates performed in series is called the step count. My understanding is that the evidence so far suggests it would be possible to scale up batch sizes tremendously as data requirements scale up, scaling up step count only slightly or not at all. McCandlish et al. 2018, an empirical model of large batch training, experimentally derives the critical batch size, the batch size that best optimizes for total data requirements and total computation simultaneously, for a number of different ML problems. The paper finds that when training at the critical batch sizes, all of the models tended to train in a step count of approximately 100 to 10,000, with no clear dependence on model size. Kaplan et al. 2020, a paper by the same research group studying the scaling behavior of language models, implies that when training language models at the critical batch size, the number of serial steps of gradient descent scales extremely slowly with total computation, an amount consistent with zero scaling given measurement error. This paper is discussed in more detail here in part 2. In other words, these results suggest that most of the increased data requirements for larger models are due to needing a larger batch size to get a good estimate of the gradient, rather than needing to take a longer optimization path from the starting point to find a good model. I think it is likely that this would be true for some transformative ML problem as well, such that the total amount of wall clock time taken to train a transformative model would likely be manageable. I do expect that there will be non-trivial algorithmic and engineering work required to scale up data parallelism, but I don't currently see a strong reason to believe it will be a major obstacle in a way that is not already implicitly captured by the fact that the model assumes the AI field will need to ramp up spending over a period of decades before reaching peak spending, see the discussion of willingness to spend above. In the main report, I assume that training a large transformative model will not be prohibitive in wall clock time, focusing primarily on estimating the cost of computation required. Is selection bias an issue for extrapolating data requirements? We are intrinsically limited in what we can learn from observed scaling behavior, 
because we can only observe scaling behavior for learning problems which researchers have chosen to pursue and publish about. If getting decent performance on a certain type of learning problem would require an unaffordable amount of data or computation, it's likely that researchers will not attempt to train a model on that problem at all, or that it would not make it into a paper if they tried and got lackluster results. For example, no one attempted to train a neural network to play Go until 2014, even though Go was a relatively prestigious research area and people had been programming Go AIs using classical techniques for decades. That is, it could be the case that sample complexity will scale differently for a transformative learning problem than for today's learning problems, in addition to the fact that a transformative model would need more training data because it has more parameters than current models, the function-relating parameter count to dataset size might be completely different for transformative learning problems. However, given the facts on the ground, I think selection bias is probably only a mild-to-moderate issue for using existing ML problems to extrapolate the training data requirements for a transformative model. This is because we don't need to invoke selection bias to explain a lack of progress. One reason we could hypothesize that scaling behavior is unfavorable for a transformative task is because we have not yet solved any transformative task and have not gotten a large amount of economic value out of ML systems in general. However, even if the scaling behavior for a transformative problem were exactly the same as the scaling behavior for current learning problems, we likely wouldn't have been close to being able to train a transformative model under the genome anchor hypothesis or any of the neural network hypotheses. The vast bulk of the probability mass for all of these hypotheses before updating against low levels of flop was placed on levels of flop that would be unaffordable in 2020. Model size requirements alone are likely sufficient to explain why we haven't already seen transformative AI or extremely economically valuable AI systems. It is possible that the scaling itself will be worse for future learning problems, but positing that doesn't seem necessary to explain the current state of the AI field. We could have seen problem categories that scale more poorly than our L by now we already see a significant difference in scaling behavior across different types of problems, between our L models and supervised learning models. We can train huge generative models, such as GPT-3 with approximately 200 billion parameters, for about the same expense as training substantially smaller RL models, such as AlphaStar with approximately 50 million parameters and RL model of size P is roughly as affordable to train as a generative model of size 1000P. If there were a large attractive category of learning problem for which sample complexity scales moderately worse than RL, it's plausible that researchers would have discovered this by now, Perhaps they would currently be training models in the approximately 10 to 100,000 parameter range on this new category of problem. My understanding is that we haven't confidently identified such a problem category yet. I consider this to be a modest amount of evidence against the possibility that learning problems we will pursue in the future will turn out to scale more poorly than current learning problems. The horizon length formulation allows for huge variation in total time steps. Finally, the effective horizon length is a free parameter which is exogenous to model size. The fact that different ML problems have different horizon lengths implicitly allows for substantial variation in the scaling behavior of total time steps dh, q, p, across different ML problems even if the scaling behavior in terms of number of horizons remains constant. We can observe this already to some extent in this chart alpha star has only approximately 3x as many parameters as alpha go zero, but trained on almost 9000 times as many time steps. If we expect that transformative learning problems likely have much longer horizons than current learning problems, then the number of time steps it takes to train a transformative model could vastly exceed the number of time steps it would take to simply train a larger version of Alpha Star or OpenAI 5. The medium horizon and long horizon neural network hypotheses make this assumption. Tractability is difficult to predict, 
and ML seems to have had a good hit rate on prestige tasks while I do expect that researchers generally don't attempt to solve tasks that are clearly out of reach, my understanding is that it is generally very hard to show that new categories of tasks, for example a new video game or board game, will clearly be easy, because there is simply a lot of noise and risk inherent to trying something novel. Given that, I take it to be a modest amount of positive evidence against the selection bias hypothesis that sample complexity has not exploded when ML was applied to a handful of high-profile tasks, Go, Dota, StarCraft, language modeling, that seem to have been selected largely for prestige rather than tractability. Overall, I don't feel that selection bias strongly undermines the evidence from existing models, I am inclined to take this information as a starting point, include wide error bars, and only adjust upward modestly to generate a best-guess estimate for transformative model data requirements. Would we have made the same estimates in the past despite algorithmic progress? At a high level, the methodology of forecasting from biological anchors is fairly timeless. Someone could have advanced the general hypothesis maybe if we could somehow create an AI system as computationally powerful as the human brain that would constitute transformative AI at any point in the past, because the basic hypothesis doesn't obviously depend on any specific properties of the current state of dash the art in AI. Indeed, some futurists in the 1990s like Hans Moravec and Ray Kurzweil did advance biological anchor hypotheses that helped to inspire this work and more immediate precursors to this work done by open philanthropy technical advisors. The timelessness of using biological anchors to estimate resource requirements for TAI is a potential problem for the strategy. Advancing algorithmic progress means that the resource requirements for producing a transformative model, whatever they may be at a given moment, should be decreasing over time. This means that model size requirements can only be close to the brain at one particular point in time, which might not be the current point in time. As an example, say we believe that transformative model size requirements would have fallen by 500M from 1970 to 2020 based on our understanding of the rate of algorithmic progress. If we were analyzing the resources required to train a transformative model in 1970, it seems likely that we would have assumed that a transformative model would be roughly the size of the human brain because the brain is an a priori plausible anchor, and there wouldn't have been much reason to deviate from it. But when we attempt to do the analysis in 2020, the brain still seems like an a priori plausible anchor and it feels unmotivated to assume that a model 500M smaller than the brain would be sufficient. Either our naive 1970 estimate would have been wrong or our naive 2020 estimate would be wrong, with the discrepancy being more severe the more algorithmic progress we believe has occurred in the last 50 years. I have tried to mitigate this issue in two main ways. First, I attempt to incorporate empirical evidence from other technological domains where the comparison between human-created artifacts and natural artifacts is clearer to help set where I think transformative model size requirements fall relative to the biological anchor. Based on this, I estimate that a transformative model would run on about approximately 100 more flop, sub-second than the human brain in 2020. Doing this exercise at various points in the past would have resulted in a higher central estimate for where model size requirements lie relative to the human brain anchor, because the collection of reference technologies such as solar panels and artificial organs would have been less efficient relative to their natural counterparts. Second, I attempt to make the spread of my distribution consistent with my beliefs about the pace of algorithmic progress. It's clear that I should incorporate some degree of uncertainty about where transformative model size requirements lie relative to the brain flop S anchor, because if I were doing this analysis in 2010 or 2030 rather than 2020, I would still likely have guessed that a model approximately 100M larger than the brain would be sufficient. In other words, even after trying to incorporate empirical evidence from other technologies, my intuitions don't feel very sensitive to a difference of approximately 10 years in either direction, 
I have no substantive reason to expect that 2020, rather than 2023 or 2029 or 2012 or 2017, is the precise year when a model precisely 10 times larger than the human brain, rather than 7 times or 13 times larger, could be trained to solve a transformative task. If I separately expect that transformative model size requirements would fall by XOOM over a typical period of 10 years, then it wouldn't make sense for my subjective distribution over where transformative model size requirements lie relative to the brain flop S anchor to have a standard deviation of XOOM or smaller. My beliefs about algorithmic progress would require that I shift the 2020 model size requirements distribution to the left XOOM to generate the 2030 model size requirements distribution, but because my judgments are so coarse-grained, I would also want the 10-year shifted distribution to look more or less the same as the original distribution. These two goals can only be approximately reconciled if the width of the 2020 distribution is substantially larger than the shift from 2020 to 2030. If that is the case, the 2020 and 2030 distributions will assign fairly similar probabilities to most values. I have briefly investigated algorithmic progress trends above. My tentative best guess is that the amount of total flop required to train, as opposed to run a transformative model is having once every approximately 2 to 3 years. This corresponds to a decrease of 1 to 1.500 and every 10 years. Because I want the training flop requirements distribution in year Y to look very similar to the distribution in year Y plus 10 or year Y10, I want the standard deviation to be much larger than 1.500M. Somewhat arbitrarily, I chose to aim for a standard deviation of approximately 500M in the training flop requirements distribution for each individual biological anchor hypothesis. I did not research what fraction of reductions in training computation requirements can be attributed to reductions in model size requirements in particular, as opposed to for example how data requirements scale with model size. I ended up going with a standard deviation of approximately 200M for the distribution of where model size requirements fall relative to the brain, which results in roughly the spread I want to see when combined with other distributions into an estimate of training computation requirements. What if there is an AI winter and spending stops growing? In the willingness to spend section, I estimated that. Over the next approximately 5 years AI companies would likely be able to scale up to spending about $1 billion on computation for the largest training runs in the process building up a lot of infrastructure and know-how around training very large models. It is likely that in the medium term, spending on computation for a large training run could scale up further to about $100 billion if there were a strong possibility of training a transformative model as a result. In the long run, computation to train a transformative model could stabilize at about half a percent of gross world product. However, it's possible that the next approximately 1 to 2 OOM of scale-up will prove disappointing, causing interest and investment to dry up. This would likely substantially reduce the size of the largest scale training runs that can be attempted and may precipitate a shift away from the deep learning paradigm. In this scenario, my near and perhaps medium-term spending forecast would be an overestimate meaning that the near and medium term probability of TAI is likely to be an overestimate. However, even if we enter such an AI winter in the near term, I think the long-run average willingness to spend forecast, approximately 1% of GDP is not likely to be a huge overestimate, because I expect companies to anticipate TAI long enough ahead of time to ramp up spending to that level. If investment dries up in the near term, I would take it as fairly strong evidence that the 2020 technical difficulty of training a transformative model turned out to be far out of reach, that it wouldn't have been possible even with a $100 billion investment in computation. This is because I expect that if spending $100 billion would have led to a transformative model, spending $30 to 300M will look qualitatively exciting and potentially add some economic value, spurring greater investment, 
which will have greater returns and spur even more investment, and so on. In other words, I generally expect that we will see signs of life along the way to being able to train a transformative model. Even if this current spending boom ends in an AI winter, I expect that once algorithmic progress starts to bring down the technical difficulty of solving a transformative task, we will probably start to see some qualitatively impressive progress on interesting toy problems that were previously difficult to solve, and investment will soon pick up again in anticipation of further progress. Once it becomes possible to solve a transformative task at approximately 1% of GDP, I think some AI project will probably be willing and able to effectively spend that much, having already ramped up its capacity. Others may disagree with me about the degree to which there will be signs of life along the way to TAI that spurs high levels of investment. If you disagree with my position, you should likely place more weight on relatively low willingness to spend levels and consider them to be more uncertain. This means you should assign a higher probability that some group will stumble upon the solution to a transformative task at a relatively modest level of spending, because they or their potential investors did not properly anticipate that it would actually lead to transformative AI. How can we test this model's predictions and falsify it? I have focused in this report on articulating the biological anchors framework at a conceptual level rather than digging deeply into what it would have predicted about the past or present. We hope to do more of this in future work. With that said, I will touch on two high-level ways to backtest this framework. What would the framework have predicted about whether it would be possible to train a transformative model in the past, more? What would it predict about the amount of computation required to match the abilities of smaller animals, more? it would not have confidently predicted TAI in the past. As I said above, the high-level analysis strategy of anchoring to biological quantities, particularly the lifetime anchor and the evolution anchor, would have been available to hypothetical AI forecasters at most points in the past, and some forecasters used a version of it. I believe that a realistically accessible version of this exercise, if done in the 1950s, would have correctly predicted that transformative AI is most likely several decades away. As this chart shows, only the lifetime anchor hypothesis assigns any substantial probability to levels of computation that were available decades ago. With that said, it would have been reasonable to have more ignorance and to assign higher probabilities to low-end levels of computation in the past. In particular, the lifetime anchor hypothesis that I generated is not centered around my median estimate for human lifetime computation, approximately 1e24 flop, but is shifted up a few UMs, this is due to intuitions and evidence about ML that would not have been accessible in the past, more. However, shifting the median for the lifetime anchor hypothesis distribution back to approximately 1e24 flop would not have resulted in the model estimating a high probability of TAI by 2020, assuming that the probability mass was still distributed between the lifetime anchor and evolution anchor hypotheses. Additionally, as I mentioned above, attempting to account for how technological artifacts compared to natural artifacts in the 1950s may have pushed estimates out somewhat further. Many researchers felt optimistic about developing AGI relatively quickly in the early years of the AI field, and adopting this framework would have likely pushed against this in a way that turned out to be more correct than those researchers' intuitions at the time. I take this to be a moderate amount of evidence in favor of this approach, particularly compared to approaches that have a heavier element of subjectively gauging AI progress. It is not obviously inconsistent with the capabilities of animals. We should also be able to use the biological anchors framework to estimate the amount of computation that would be required to train ML models to replicate the behaviors of various smaller animals, such as insects and mice. We can then use these estimates to check which animals' current ML systems should be on par with, as a way of sanity checking whether the training computation requirements distribution for a transformative model is in roughly the right place. 
I'll only consider the three mainline neural network hypotheses, because the other hypotheses make less fine-grained predictions and I haven't assigned them much weight in total. How much computation should it take to replicate the behaviors of a mouse according to the mainline neural network hypotheses, assuming we have the necessary environments and evaluation functions? A mouse's brain has around approximately 1E12 synapses, if mouse neurons fire at a similar rate to human neurons, that would suggest that a mouse brain runs on approximately 1E12 flop S and a model that runs on approximately 1E13 flop, subsecond with approximately 1E12 parameters would have the capacity to replicate most mouse behaviors given proper training. According to the way I expect data points to scale relative to model size, we would need about approximately 1E12 data points to train such a model. This would imply that to replicate mouse behaviors that occur over a period of approximately one second, for example object recognition, we would need about, approximately 1E13 flop, subsecond approximately 1E12 effective horizons approximately 1 subsecond, effective horizon equals approximately 1E25 flop. On the other hand, to replicate mouse behaviors for which ground-level feedback is only given over the scale of an hour, for example learning to solve a complex novel obstacle course, we would need approximately 3E28 flop. On the other hand, replicating the one-second horizon behaviors of a B, approximately 1E9 synapses, should take around approximately 1E20 flop, and replicating one-hour horizon B behavior should take around approximately 3E23 flop. As of July 2020, the largest scale ML training runs are likely around 1E23 to 1E24 flop, and the most computationally powerful published model is GPT-3 at around approximately 2E11 flop, sub-second. This suggests that today's most expensive models ought to be somewhat more capable than bees on both short horizon and medium horizon problems, not yet quite as capable as mice, even over very short horizons, and much less capable than bigger-brained animals such as ravens and crows, cats and dogs, or primates, on any timescale. It is very difficult and subjective to evaluate whether this is actually the case, both because it's hard and research-intensive to pin down these animals' behavioral repertoires and because most ML models are optimized to solve problems, for example Go, StarCraft, and language modeling, which are completely different from the problems these animals were selected to solve in their ancestral environments, for example selecting mates or hunting prey. With that said, it does not strike me as obviously unreasonable to describe today's ML models as somewhat more capable than honeybees on most problems and somewhat less capable than mice on most problems. As an example, learning a new task or pattern from a small number of examples, few-shot learning, is a behavior that animals are likely selected for to some extent, and a research problem in ML that gets a substantial amount of attention. Both mice and bees seem to be capable of few-shot learning to some extent, but I have only seen bees learn very simple tasks, for example pulling strings or rolling balls, so far, whereas mice seem to be able to reliably learn a wide variety of complex behaviors. Intuitively, the breadth and complexity of the within-context few-shot learning displayed by GPT-3 and T5 seem plausibly more impressive than B-learning and less impressive than mouse learning. Additionally, my understanding is that few ML researchers claim to have made major strides on transfer learning or few-shot learning before models got to be quite large, which feels like additional suggestive evidence for the basic framework. We hope to do additional research comparing the capabilities of animals with the capabilities of various machine learning systems in the future, and I could easily see that research shifting my beliefs by a few orders of magnitude. For example, I could easily come to believe that current systems are not quite as capable as bees once the breadth and robustness of the bee behavioral repertoire is fully taken into account. Nonetheless, this cursory examination makes me believe that it's fairly unlikely that my current estimates are off by several orders of magnitude. 
if the amount of computation required to train a transformative model were, say approximately 10 OOM larger than my estimates, that would imply that current ML models should be nowhere near the abilities of even small insects such as fruit flies, whose brains are 100 times smaller than bee brains. On the other hand, if the amount of computation required to train a transformative model were approximately 10 OOM smaller than my estimate, our models should be as capable as primates or large birds and transformative AI may well have been affordable for several years. What if TAI is developed through a different path? The analysis in the main document focused on estimating the training computation requirements of a transformative model a single computer program found through local program search techniques broadly similar to the ones popular in machine learning research and practice as of 2020. However, I believe that this analysis can provide a useful median estimate even if TAI is produced through a very different path essentially, by the time it is affordable to develop TAI through a particular highlighted route, it is plausible that somebody develops it through that route or any cheaper route. I consider the example of a distributed economic transition facilitated by a broad range of different technologies below, but the same reasoning applies to the possibility that a unified transformative program may be developed using a qualitatively different AI paradigm that can't be usefully considered a descendant of modern machine learning. TAI may be a collection of several technologies. I think it is fairly likely that transformative AI will be developed without any individual transformative program solving any single, unified transformative task. Consider that it doesn't seem correct to characterize the industrial revolution as being precipitated entirely, or even mostly, by one transformative invention or transformative discovery. No single device like the steam engine, something specific enough and discreet enough that one company or individual could receive a patent for it, seems to have driven the bulk of the economic growth and attendant societal changes that happened from approximately 1650 to approximately 1850. Rather, the Industrial Revolution is probably best characterized as driven by the gradual build-up of a large number of different inventions, bodies of scientific knowledge, bodies of practical tacit knowledge and habits, extracted raw resources, markets for various goods and services, ways of organizing society and workplaces, public goods and feats of infrastructure, etc. This large interconnected system of people, objects, and practices, which spanned a large fraction of the whole economy and touched many other parts of society, was retroactively given the label of industry. Many individual elements of industry are complementary with, substituting for, or otherwise responsive to other elements, such that most reasonable methods of assigning counterfactual impact to particular discrete inventions, discoveries, or key decisions would likely result in assigning relatively limited impact to any one factor. In particular it is likely that no one factor analogous to our notion of a task would be credited with having transformative impact. Similarly, Agriculture seems to be best understood as the label for a conceptually related cluster of practices and technologies, for example plowing, irrigation, domestication and breeding, etc., which were discovered and rediscovered in different versions concurrently across different isolated peoples, and which were improved slowly over multiple generations to reach their modern form. In contrast with the industrial and agricultural revolutions, the nuclear bomb was a single, discrete invention built over the course of one focused project that, although it did not have a transformative impact the way we use that term, had a relatively immediate major impact on the nature of international conflict, without the need for a long integration period or the development of extensive auxiliary or complementary technologies and services before it had that impact. This is more analogous to developing transformative AI via solving a single transformative task. Many discussions of highly advanced future AI systems seem to implicitly assume that it will look like this, that at some point in the future, a particular company or government project will develop an artificial general intelligence, 
AGI, or superintelligence, which is modeled as a single unified computer program that can do everything that an intelligent human can do at least as well as, or possibly much better than a human can. I am broadly skeptical of the unified AGI assumption, I think it is unusual for a single discrete piece of technology to have such a clear and large impact as quickly as the nuclear bomb did, and by default I expect that new civilizational heights of technological sophistication will be acquired via the gradual accretion of individually low or moderate impact innovations distributed throughout a broad economy and spaced out in time. I have not seen strong signs that TAI will be different, and have seen some weak signs that it will be similar, for example recent substantial investment in self-driving cars and AI for medical diagnostics may well end up looking like the beginnings of a broad economic transition enabled in significant part by AI and other software. In theory, this implies this analysis underestimates PTAI. However, despite the fact that I don't expect transformative AI to be developed in one fell swoop by one group, I still think that the strategy of estimating when it would become affordable to produce a transformative program has value. Because this model estimates when one particular path toward transformative AI, let's call it the big model path, out of many will be attainable, that means if this analysis is correct, i.e., if I am correct to assume the big model path is possible at all due to the theoretical feasibility of local search, and if we correctly estimated the probability that it would be attainable in year Y for all Y, then the probability estimates generated should be underestimates. Suppose that we estimate that a large company could afford to train a large ML model to do a transformative task in year Y with probability P. If we think this is accurate, we should believe the probability that DAI is developed by year Y is greater than P. Either DAI will be developed in year Y through the big model path with probability almost P, or it will already have been developed before year Y through some cheaper path, which may be much less tractable to analyze directly, with some non-zero probability Q. So the probability of DAI by year Y should be somewhere between almost max P, Q, and almost P plus Q. The further away Y is, the more time there is for gradual innovation to culminate in transformative change and or for algorithmic breakthroughs to unlock a substantially less expensive path to solving a transformative task, and the more this is an underestimate of the true probability. In practice, my interpretation depends on the year in question. However, once sources of distortion, many of which tend to push our estimates upward, are properly taken into account, I think it is fairly unclear whether these estimates should actually be considered underestimates. Firstly, all of the potential biological anchor hypotheses we highlighted have substantial question marks associated with them, such as will robustness and reliability work out well enough that the system is usable? Will we be able to generate enough data of the right kinds? And will the training data extrapolation based on small models continue to hold? Trying to make any particular hypothesis concrete enough to analyze in detail tends to surface a proliferation of potential pitfalls, for which I haven't heard immediately compelling solutions from technical advisors or other researchers. Despite this, I have assigned non-trivial or moderate probabilities to most of the biological anchor hypotheses I have considered. This is because these anchors feel plausible to me on priors and have not been obviously contradicted by existing, relatively thin, evidence from existing models, and thus I am assigning substantial weight to the possibility that various potential pitfalls I see now turn out not to be issues or turn out to be easy to resolve or work around. For each biological anchor hypothesis, I am acting on the assumption that there is a relatively broad space of unknown unknown paths to solving a transformative task within the range of technical difficulty, not just the particular concrete path I have written down for illustration in association with each hypothesis, which is often fairly conjunctive. I expect reasonable people to have a wide range of instincts about how to handle the possibility of such unknown unknowns. 
In particular many reasonable people would argue that when estimating the probability of a qualitatively extraordinary or surprising event, it would be inadvisable to fudge estimates upward for the possibility of unknown unknown factors, because rough estimates will already tend to be overestimates and we should expect that unknown unknown factors are more likely to end up lowering rather than raising the probability. Despite choosing in this case to account for unknown unknowns that would increase my probability estimate, I have a substantial amount of sympathy for this view and it has generally been my experience that deeper analysis tends to result in downward adjustments to many quantitative estimates, for example for the cost-effectiveness of a potential grant. Secondly, I've focused almost entirely on estimating the amount of the total flop that would be sufficient to train the model according to each hypothesis, under the assumption that this is a good proxy for the all-in technical difficulty of training a machine learning model. However, this will not always be the case, in some scenarios, it will be the case that the raw flop will be available well before some other key resource becomes available. Throughout the document, I have tried to flag when I notice that another resource, for example human labor to generate data or memory bandwidth to keep wall clock training time manageable, could plausibly be a bottleneck, but because that was not my focus in this research project it seems fairly likely that trying to do a more careful accounting of all in technical difficulty will cause me to increase my median estimate for when training a transformative model will become feasible. Finally, the possibility of exogenous events such as global catastrophic risks, severe recessions, or changes in regulatory regime that could derail business as usual AI research is not factored into this model and should slightly decrease the probability estimates generated. Despite these considerations, some of our technical advisors are still relatively confident these probability estimates are low-end estimates. This is partly because they would assign a higher probability to some of the low-end biological anchor hypotheses than I do, partly because they are overall more confident in the argument given above that these numbers ought to be considered underestimates, and partly because they believe that more carefully accounting for the correlations between different variables, which I have not attempted to model in detail, should increase our estimate that TAI is developed soon relative to the estimate generated by this model. For now, I feel that the most reasonable way to interpret the probability estimates generated by the biological anchors framework is as a rough central estimate for when TAI will be developed rather than as particularly conservative or particularly aggressive. In making this judgment, I am admittedly mentally running together a large cloud of heterogeneous considerations which in a maximally principled and transparent analysis should be handled separately. I feel very unstable on this judgment, and I expect many other open philanthropy staff members and or readers to disagree. In the coming years, we hope to explicitly quantify more and more pieces of the overall analysis, for example, by reworking some parts of the structure of this model to better highlight key correlations, or combining this analysis with analysis of the probability distribution of other global catastrophic risks to estimate the annual discount from exogenous events. More immediately, we are planning to write more about the all things considered subjective TA timelines views of various key staff members, after receiving feedback on this document from a broader range of machine learning experts and completing currently ongoing investigations into two other promising high-level perspectives on the question of when transformative AI may be developed, uninformative priors, and extrapolations from long-run gross world product data. Ultimately, our all-things-considered subjective probabilities will be determined by some combination of the output of this framework, the output of other explicit frameworks such as the two we are currently investigating, and various clusters of considerations which are harder to fit into any explicit framework, such as deference to the views of various experts whose intuitions may not be easily expressible in terms of explicit probabilities. Why not directly extrapolate AI capabilities instead? A very different high-level approach to estimating TAI timelines, which in our experience most people initially gravitate toward, 
involves more holistically assessing progress in AI systems capabilities, rather than leaning heavily on biological anchors. Essentially, this approach is to judge how impressive, capable, general, or useful state of dash the art, SOTA AI systems currently are, for example by synthesizing information from various key benchmarks and AI challenges such as performance on board games, Winograd schemas, adversarial examples, etc. Assess how quickly the impressiveness of AI systems has been improving recently. Extrapolate how many years of progress at the current pace would be required to reach the level of impressiveness required for TAI. I'll call this approach the subjective impressiveness extrapolation approach, which stands in contrast with the biological anchors framework used in this report. Here is a visualization of a hypothetical TAI timelines forecast using a subjective impressiveness extrapolation approach, where the x-axis is the year, from 2000 to 2100, and the red line represents the holistic impressiveness of AI systems in that year, which reaches the level of TAI around approximately 2065 to 2070. To most people, the subjective impressiveness extrapolation may initially seem more natural, more direct, and less complicated than the biological anchors framework. However, I think it actually has substantial disadvantages and is ultimately less reliable as a forecasting methodology. The most important disadvantage of the subjective impressiveness extrapolation is that it is extremely unclear what exactly the y-axis refers to, and different people will have different intuitions about it. People's intuitions about the y-axis will a. dramatically impact resulting timelines estimates, and b. be hard to fully articulate and reconcile with one another. In our experience, two people, including two ML experts, can come to wildly different conclusions about how impressive current SOTA is and how rapidly it is improving because they focus on very different indicators of impressiveness. We have heard ML experts with relatively short timelines argue that AI systems today can essentially see as well as humans, understand written information, and beat humans at almost all strategy games, and the set of things they can do is expanding rapidly, leading them to expect that transformative AI would be attainable in the next decade or two by training larger models on a broader distribution of ML problems that are more targeted at generating economic value. Conversely, we have heard ML experts with relatively long timelines argue that ML systems require much more data to learn than humans do, are unable to transfer what they learn in one context to a slightly different context, and don't seem capable of much structured logical and causal reasoning. This leads them to believe we would need to make multiple major breakthroughs to develop TAI. At least one open philanthropy technical advisor has advanced each of these perspectives. What would a representative expert survey look like? Because different experts' positions can vary so much, we don't think it makes sense for generalists to lean too heavily on their own subjective impressiveness extrapolation or that of any one ML researcher informing their views on timelines. In our view, the best way to forecast TAI using subjective impressiveness extrapolations would be to survey a large representative group of ML experts. This has the drawback that the information we can extract is relatively crude and high level, it doesn't help articulate the underlying reasons different experts have different views, or pinpoint places where they would make differing predictions about the results of an experiment. Nonetheless, it would be very reasonable for a generalist to lean on the outcome of a well-designed survey of experts in coming to their beliefs about TAI timelines. Grace et al. 2017 is the best expert survey on timelines that I am aware of. The authors reached out to all researchers who published at 2015 NIPS or ICML conferences, ultimately surveying 352 of them. The main forecasting target researchers were asked about in this survey was high-level machine intelligence, defined as the time when when unaided machines can accomplish every task better and more cheaply than human workers. This is a stronger condition than transformative AI which can be achieved by machines which merely complement human workers, 
see the discussion of transformative tasks in Part 1. Nonetheless, the aggregated estimate across survey respondents of when HLMI would be achieved, shown at the top below, is remarkably similar to my best guess forecast for when the computation required to train a transformative model will be affordable, bottom. Additionally, researchers' responses in this survey indicated that small changes in framing lead to very different answers for questions that are substantively equivalent. Some researchers were asked to forecast HLMI as defined above, while a randomly selected subset was instead asked to forecast full automation of labor, the time when all occupations are fully automatable. Despite the fact that achieving HLMI seems like it should quickly lead to full automation of labor, the median estimate for full automation of labor was approximately 2,138 while the median estimate for HLMI was approximately 2061, almost 80 years earlier. Random subsets of respondents were asked to forecast when individual milestones, for example laundry folding, human-level starcraft, or human-level math research, would be achieved. The median year by which respondents expected machines to be able to automate AI research was approximately 2,104, while the median estimate for HLMI was approximately 2061, another clear inconsistency because AI research is a task done by human workers. The Grace et al. results suggest to me that ML experts and aggregates seem to have views about the future of AI that are broadly consistent with estimates output by the biological anchors framework, and b. Many researchers' forecasts do not seem highly robust or self-consistent. At some point in the future, we hope to do a more detailed updated version of the Grace et al. survey which focuses on transformative AI rather than HLMI and potentially takes measures to reconcile inconsistencies. Could the y-axis be operationalized more objectively? Another potential way to improve the standard subjective impressiveness extrapolation framework is to attempt to better define the y-axis and collect objective information about how it has varied over time. For example, we could define impressiveness as the amount of revenue generated by machine learning models in inflation-adjusted dollars, or as the fraction of jobs done by humans as of 2000 which have now been automated by machines, or as the economic productivity of the tech sector. Impressiveness could also be operationalized in terms of benchmarks such as superglue or the unrestricted adversarial examples challenge, rather than purely in economic terms. However, it seems important that a wide range of researchers who currently disagree on timelines at the object level can agree that the benchmarks chosen are reasonable, so that we avoid a situation where researcher A and researcher B both expect to see a certain score on a particular benchmark achieved by a certain year but disagree on whether that constitutes much evidence that TAI may be developed soon. I am very interested in this type of exercise, particularly if the operationalization focuses on revenue or productivity, and think it could serve as a very valuable supplement and sanity check to the outputs of this framework. We may eventually do some research along these lines. Open questions for further investigation. Most of these are investigations that a generalist researcher could do, but some of them involve machine learning experiments. Can we further refine and formalize the definition of effective horizon length, and get more mathematical clarity on whether the functional form proposed in the report, linear scaling, is appropriate? Will it take longer to train the same model to solve a task that seems intuitively longer horizon compared to a task that seems intuitively shorter horizon? For example, will it take more training time for a language model to be able to do within context few shot learning for complex skills versus simpler skills? I am hoping to register my predictions about the likely horizon lengths of various RL tasks at some point in the future. What would an experiment analogous to Kaplan et al. 2020 for reinforcement learning models imply about scaling behavior for RL? Would a systematic sweep over the discount rate be consistent with total training time steps scaling with 1 1? What will various machine learning experts think of the biological anchors framework? 
Will the framework help articulate some of the underlying causes of disagreement about TAI timelines? What are the most important disagreements about timelines which are difficult or impossible to capture in the language of this framework? How do the capabilities of machine learning models compare to those of various animals, particularly on tasks that seem closely analogous to the types of tasks that animals solve? Examples of such tasks could include object recognition, motion detection, motor control, sound recognition and localization, making simple predictions grounded in intuitive physics, for example anticipating that a cup will fall if the person holding it lets go. In larger animals, learning novel behaviors with a small number of trials, for example solving mazes or obstacle courses. More carefully documenting animals' abilities and their limits in these domains, and getting a better sense of how they likely compare to various ML models, would help generate a narrower and more accurate distribution over how animal brain architectures compare to ML architectures which run on a similar number of flop, sub-second, where animal brain flop S is defined using the evolutionary hypothetical definition from part 1. Similarly, what would a more careful and comprehensive version of Paul's investigation into how human-made technologies compare to natural counterparts imply? Could we use recent results in large-scale image recognition to extrapolate how large a model would need to be to recognize approximately any object as well as a typical human seeing the object for an instant, for example 200 milliseconds, without being fooled by adversarial examples or noise? Would this forecast be consistent with a truly human-level object recognition model being only approximately 100M larger than the human visual cortex, or whatever portions of the visual cortex, or potentially other parts of the brain, we believe are involved in the task of object recognition? Thanks to our technical advisor Jacob Steinhardt for this idea. What should we expect about the future of compute prices, particularly about the shape of diminishing returns and potential hard limits to the number of flop per dollar that could be achieved? In light of the possibility of shifting to more exotic computing paradigms such as optical computing, three-dimensional circuits, reversible computing, and so on, what should we expect about the increase in willingness to spend on computation going forward? Would it be possible for training runs in the latter half of the century to cost much more than I currently assume, due to factors such as increasing GWP, increasing inequality and concentration of wealth? the possibility that pre-transformative AI systems may have generated huge amounts of revenue that could be reinvested into training larger systems, the ability to spread spending out over many years, the possibility of national or international conglomerates, and so on? What would a more comprehensive investigation imply about the rate of algorithmic progress for various tasks, particularly a, tasks that researchers have been working on for several decades such as chess, and b, tasks within machine learning such as NLP? How much does hardware progress for a particular application accelerate as demand for that application spikes? For example, how much progress was made on hardware accelerators for Bitcoin mining as a function of demand for that application? Relatedly, how much does increased RD investment accelerate algorithmic progress? Are there historical cases we could examine of a particular subfield in CS attracting a lot of talent and money as machine learning is doing today? How much algorithmic progress did such subfields make, as measured by how quickly the technical difficulty of particular tasks dropped. How much does access to cheaper hardware for experimentation speed up algorithmic progress? Can we generate a production function for algorithmic progress in terms of hardware and labor inputs? What would a more careful estimate of the amount of computation done over the course of evolution look like? Could we incorporate an estimate of the amount of computation done within the DNA itself, rather than just within animals' brains? Are there plausible high-end anchors that are more expensive than evolution, but less expensive than fully brute force search, which would cost on the order of approximately 210 to the power of 15, flop? 
Can we get a more solid sense of what datasets and or training environments would be sufficient to execute each of the hypotheses in this document? How likely is it that we will be able to develop these datasets by the time the computation is affordable? How much human labor would go into generating them, and could the human labor costs dominate the hardware costs? What can we learn about the amount of computation required to run environments? Is it plausible that the computation required to run the training environment would dominate the amount of computation required to run the models being trained? What groups of tasks might be collectively transformative? What horizon length would AI systems need to do these tasks? How expensive would it be, and how long would it take, to gather the data needed to train AI systems to do these tasks? Will current techniques, or something broadly similar, allow us to learn medium and long horizon tasks, or will we run into fundamental obstacles attempting to scale horizon length so far? How long in wall clock time would it take to train transformative systems with medium and long horizon lengths? Would that be prohibitive? Acknowledgements. Firstly, I owe a huge thanks to Paul Cristiano, who profoundly shaped this report by conducting substantial prior conceptual and empirical research that I drew on, having extensive discussions with me that heavily informed the structure of the model and my intuitions about key quantitative inputs, and providing many rounds of detailed feedback on this report as well as several early-stage research documents leading up to this draft. In addition to the tangible research value he added in his capacity as a technical advisor, Paul provided steadfast emotional support in his capacity as my partner, consistently believing in me when I didn't always believe in myself. I am grateful to the following people whose research informed the construction of this framework or its key quantitative inputs. Technical advisor Dario Amade for his early thinking on the high-level biological anchors framework, brain computation, and sample complexity extrapolation. My colleague Joe Carlsmith, for his philosophically careful and empirically thorough investigation into brain computation, which is at the foundation of every biological anchor hypothesis, and his feedback on early-stage research documents. Kathleen Finlinson for her thorough investigation into the history of hardware prices. Tom Davidson for assisting with research into our L-scaling behavior and providing thought partnership from an early stage. Major thanks to Colin Burns, Jacob Hilton, Jared Kaplan, Richard Ngo, and Raheem Shah for extensive feedback and thought partnership that inspired substantial revisions. Thanks also to Alexander Berger, Bastian Stern, Buck Schlageris, Carl Schulman, Catherine Olson, Daniel Kokotelho, Danny Hernandez, David Rudman, Jacob Steinhardt, Jacob Trefethen, John Schulman, Luke Mielhauser, Mike Levine, Nick Beckstead, Otis Reed, Peter Favloro, Sam McCandlish, Zach Robinson, and others for feedback and discussion. Thanks to Andreas Schulmuller, Jungwon Byun, and Owen Evans of Ott for improving my code and integrating Illicit. Finally, I am deeply grateful to my manager Holden Karnofsky for providing excellent thought partnership, feedback, mentorship, project management and emotional support throughout the course of this research project, and for helping me to become a much more effective researcher and communicator over the last four years. This was Part 4 of Forecasting TAI with Biological Anchors, published by IA Kotra. Thanks for listening. To help us out with the nonlinear library or to learn more, please visit nonlinear.org.